This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. All right, what's up, everyone? It's Cam, your host of Get a Load of This podcast. And today's going to be a great day, as always, because you are a trucker or in the trucking industry, and it's the greatest industry in America or in the world, for that right. matter. You keep America moving. So, um, as always, your host, I'm the founder of Valley Trucking Insurance and co-founder of Get a Load of This Podcast. I've got with me special co-host, Thomas. Thomas, what's happening, man? What's happening, guys? So Thomas works with me over at the Valley Trucking side. He specializes in uh, trucking and transportation insurance along with myself. So he's been with me uh, many, many years. So it's been a fun ride thus far. Many more There's to come. Like though. six now, right? Yeah, long time. Yeah. So I can't trade you in like a cell phone. <laughs> I wish I could sometimes, but. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, it's only a cracked screen, I promise. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's go to the go to the CPR store and get that fixed. Um <laughs> Today's guest is awesome. I was actually introduced uh, to our, our special guest, Ricky, today from a good friend and client of mine. Um, Rick's coming out of Las Vegas, and I'll let him pretty much introduce himself. But he's been a valuable asset and resource um, for a number of different reasons, which we'll dive into in today's episode. And I think you guys will be excited to chat with Ricky as I am. So, Ricky, welcome, man. How What's are you? What's going on, guys? Uh, doing good. Doing good. It's, it's, it's a busy season right now, so we're where we're getting after it and trying to deal with all the, the different issues and everything we're having on, on the factory side as far as getting trucks built and what's going on on that side and continuing to consult fleets and move some freight. So lots of good stuff. Going yeah, on. man, it's a good... It's a good time in the industry. And then, and for those that don't know, uh, Ricky works with Kenworth, and I'll let him give you kind of the high level and overview. Um, but for, for how we got introduced, he's basically a sales consultant, fleet consultant, kind of an all-around resource. I'd call him a connection man and an, a very valuable asset and resource to anyone that is really in the trucking industry, needing trucks, needing connections, needing advice on growth or um, whatever. So, Ricky, let's give the folks a little bit of background as to what led you to where you're at now, and then you can talk a little bit about what you do now. Sure. So, so well, I mean, I've been in trucking as long as I've been alive. My my dad uh, has, you know, been, been a truck driver, grandpa, his grandpa, and probably since we since my family multiple generations ago came to America, we've been in logistics in some form or fashion. So um, at this stage, you know, growing up, I watched my dad in trucks and uh, my dad's big, uh, big point of emphasis is he didn't actually want to see us in the logistics industry. And I didn't want to be in the logistics industry. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go be a driver. It's a hard life. I mean, I got to see it take its toll on my family and, and, uh, on one hand, you develop a lot of respect for, for truckers and what they do. Uh, but on, but on the other hand, you know, it's, you, you kind of tell yourself it's not something you want for your family. Uh, you want to be home more. Uh, you want to watch your, your kids grow up and be there for your wife and help her when you can and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, but, um, I turned 18 and went right into the trucking industry naturally. So I, I became a freight broker, uh, for total quality logistics, which is, uh, unfortunately, probably not the, the greatest name a lot of your viewers are going to want to hear. Uh, they have a love-hate relationship with a lot of the, the, the trucking world. But, um, I could, yeah, that's mm -hmm. kind of where I got my feet wet is as a freight broker. I worked for them for four years, uh, moved a lot of freight for some, some big accounts, and started to learn a lot about the, the logistics industry there. Um, there's, uh, especially the bigger you grow your book of business and the more coordinators and people you have working under you, uh, you need to learn a lot. So no college, uh, probably wasn't the brightest move, but I'm not the brightest guy. 
So uh, went right into that and, and just kind of learned, you know, trial by fire, essentially trial, trial by error and uh, um, learned a lot on the freight side and the logistics side. Uh, after that, I kind of opened my own little consulting firm and uh, in addition to which is, you know, me and still active today and, 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 and as well uh, a year after I left TQL to come work for Kenworth, I also opened my own freight brokerage and, and started, you know, brokering freight as well, uh, which leads us to today's situation for the last, I think, two and a half, three years. I've been working as a fleet consultant for Kenworth Sales Company. So my job here is essentially to, you know, make certain recommendations to make uh, fleets more profitable. And in addition to that, of course, sell them trucks. So that's that's really where where that comes in. So, um, but I've kind of been able to link all those different resources uh, that I've learned in my past uh, to help a lot of trucking companies, typically smaller smaller companies, get started and and continue to grow and have some success and not have to not have to go through the trial by error experience. I know I did and a lot of these trucking companies have to because there's no, unfortunately in this industry, there's no rule book, right? You, you don't get to go get a four year bachelor's degree and and know how to run a trucking company uh, because there's so many different parts of the company in general as far as the business side and the trucking and the logistics side and how to deal with freight, how to get insurance, you know, and um, and so on and so forth. So. How to obtain financing, all of this stuff. So, like you said, I just try to be the 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 median, the connection man to to find enough people and resources to give to my fleets, so they can you know understand what to do, you know, accomplish their goals, and and continue to continue to grow. Typically, that's awesome. One of the questions that we ask Ricky, uh, especially being trucking centric and working in and around the industry, if you had a CB handle. What would your CB handle be? <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't know if it's a podcast appropriate, but what's a trucking <laughs> podcast? Yeah, we can say that you want. <laughs> so I had a uh, my my football team, and it's kind of stuck for like my when I played PlayStation a lot was Big Daddy Fat Sack. <laughs> so probably yeah. yeah. Big Daddy Fat Sack. So there we oh, go, yeah. Big Daddy Fat Sack rolling That's down right. the road. <laughs> I like I like that. I think that that is great. I think that a lot of listeners and myself included would resonate with, you know, going straight into the industry. I think a lot of folks fall into it from family, from opportunity. There's so many different avenues one can take without, like you had mentioned, a bachelor's degree or a college education. You still have to get some technical degree. You'll have to get some technical experience, kind of school of hard knocks. But like yourself, I came into um a trucking family. So I have family, you know, growing up in the, the driving truck and doing long haul and team from Spokane, Washington to Florida, like the opposite corners of the country. So I've got exposure to it at a young age. And I went into insurance same when I was 20. I wasn't 18, but 20. And that's all I've known and got introduced to the trucking and construction industry. And that's what I focused on okay. right out the gate. And so it's it's just been amazing to learn. And like you, now you start making connections and have valuable resources and assets. And I see firsthand from my perspective with new companies or even companies that have been in business, the lack of education and the lack of guidance. And there is no shortcuts. You can't shortcut your way to a fleet or whatever your goals are. And so you need people like Ricky, you need people such as ourselves and Thomas to offer guidance or connect you with the people that can help. So that's why, you know, Ricky, you're such a valuable asset and resource to me. And, you know, really people need to start connecting with, with yourself or folks like you. So, um, so yeah, I no no shame in the no college, man. I think that that's the, there's a lot of, opportunity here and a lot of folks took that same route would be my guess yeah i was raised with the you're going to go to college mentality right like it was all i was ever told and after the military and going to college and everything like that that i've done in my life i definitely have realized that it's not necessary nor is it good for everybody so people like you are very uh, loud testaments i think to the ability of people to find resources and be able to grow themselves and be successful without those you know, those game plans, so to speak. I think that sometimes the, the school of hard knocks is the best teacher. It can be, you know, it's, it's a, I would say it's a more difficult path to take, but I, I think you summed it up perfectly, mm-hmm. Thomas. It's, it's just not, it's not for everybody. 
you know, I mean, there's, there's certain people that absolutely have to go get a degree. You know, I mean, uh, my wife's a teacher, um, you know, specializes in, you know, autism and, 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 um, down syndrome and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you definitely got to go to school to, for education, you know, things like, uh, being a doctor and a lawyer and, and, and those kind of career fields. Yeah, absolutely. You should go to college and, and you typically pay dividends for doing so. But, but I mean, I, I do, I, I see so many of my friends, I'm, I'm 27 years old now, uh, 27 years old. And I have so many friends who just have massive amounts of college debt and, and, and it's unfortunate because they typically don't even work in the industry they wanted to work in in the first place. Or even worse, the degree they have doesn't even have an industry, you know. So it's, uh, it's, it's horrible to see, man. It's, it's horrible to see the li- life is already hard enough to live. And then you stack stuff like that on top of it. And, and, and we are. We're all taught the same thing I was to my, my parents. That's what they wanted for me. You know, I mean, they, they really did. They, they wanted me to go to a four-year university, graduate, uh, and, um, and go have, and go live whatever life that I could possibly imagine. And that's a picture that was painted for them and for me, which is, you know, as long as you get that degree, uh, you're good to go. You can do anything you want in life. You want to be a rocket scientist, just go get a degree in business administration. You know I mean? Like, and that's, and as everyone, you know, as we well know, I mean, that's just, it's not the truth. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much stuff I've learned by not only making those connections and just, you know, I, I mean, when I, when I first uh, when I first became a freight broker, uh, I probably annoyed every single freight broker that had a big book of business in my building because I just walk up to them probably once a day until they finally said yes and said, "Hey, you know, can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Let's go. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. I just want to pick your brain on a couple of different things." And I did the same thing as soon as I got to the dealer. Hey, like, can can we meet up for a beer? You know, and and uh, I just want to pick your brain on a couple of things. And I've learned far more that way and you know, and with making those relationships and with books and, and YouTube videos and podcasts just like this, uh, then I believe, unfortunately, 95% of the people who have a diploma, you know, did. So it's, it's weird, you know? Yeah. I actually ended up getting a psychology degree myself. I was okay. uh, minoring in like philosophy and things like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go teach college. After I got the four-year degree, I was just done wanting to go to school. <laughs> so now I have a four-year degree in psychology, which is not useful at all as far as gaining employment goes. in what we do. It is for interpersonal communication Absolutely. for sure, you know, but as far as careers go and what we're talking about here with that game plan of life, it definitely isn't applying. I don't have a career in it. It's useless for me besides saying, oh, look, I have a four-year degree, which Cameron, when he hired me, he didn't give a shit. All he said was, you're willing to work. You're working for free until you make your money. Uh, Okay, that's done, you know. Uh, But kind of a cool thing. I mean, you're talking about being able to take these guys out and learn from them over beer and coffee. So that's kind of your, your, that was your classroom. You got to go out and hang out with people that you respected in the industry, pick their brains and drank and ate and all that stuff with them. And then when you graduated, you became successful. So it's kind of the same process. It's just a different title of what the process is. Absolutely. I know I, I 100%, 100% agree. And, and you're in a degree in psychology is way different than a degree in like liberal arts, not, not hating on the liberal arts majors. I'm just saying, right? Like a psychology, a psychology degree, you learned intangible skills. You developed a skill set that you can then apply, mm-hmm. you know, that, that created value that you can then apply to society to benefit you and others around you, right? You've, you've made yourself more valuable by developing that skill set. I 100% believe in that. Now, regardless if you get that from a, a college education, picking the brains of experts in your industry or, or in building communications or reading books or whatever your, whatever your source of education is, that's uh, a higher education is a higher education. What I just, I, I mean, and I'm not a hater of college either. Like I said, my wife has a, a bachelor's in education and my sister has an MBA in something or another. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely valuable, you know, and yeah, you'd be one of those people I sit down and pick your brain. It's just, I feel like that $4 cup of coffee, you can, you can, is worth $40,000, is worth a $40,000 psychology degree, you know? I buy the $4 cup of coffee, you go get the $40,000 psychology degree, teach me everything you know. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, you know, you're close. I actually am the paying 50 all said and done, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout, shout, out to, shout out to student debt. 
All right, shifting, oh, gears. Yeah. Yeah, shifting <laughs> gears. Let's dive into what makes Ricky valuable. I'm a trucking company. All of a sudden, it's uh, December. My CPA says, man, you got to buy three trucks. We need to get this tax bill down. I call Ricky, and he he laughs at me, really, is what he would do. Right now. I'd be like, have you paid attention to anything? You can't buy a truck right now. That's crazy. But <laughs> let's dive into yeah. what makes you valuable, Ricky. So let's run us through. when I Let's just say somebody wanted to get in touch with you, or I refer somebody over to you that is three to five trucks. It's like, we want to get to 12 trucks. Here's our plan. How do we do that? What do we need to do? Who do we need to talk to? And let's run through some of the the value that you bring to those sure. guys. Well, the the first step is to figure out exactly where they're out where they're at right now right so if they're a single truck owner operator in the industry you know freight's paying you know substantially better rates than it was a year or two ago and so they're making good money um you know i'd ask them a lot of questions i'd, I'd ask them questions where do you you know where do you get your freight now is it is it a shipper uh are you are you on you know dat or internet truck stop one of these load boards uh, do you have any relationships with, you know, do you run consistent lanes or are you in all 48 all over the place? You know, um, I'd ask them, what are their goals? If you want to get to 10 to 12 trucks, um, have you looked into hiring drivers? You know, what are you scared of? Right. You know, and what, what, uh, what, what is confusing to you? What do you understand and what do you not understand about the path to be able to get there? Right. And then of course, from there, I'd ask them, why not a hundred trucks? You know, why 10 or 12? Um, if this is your overarching goal, you know, how did you come up with that number of 10 to 12, 12, what's your why? Right. So, and then once I have that information, I develop a, I develop a game plan for them. That's typically first meeting. I'd, I'd schedule another meeting with the game plan, uh, that I put together that I'd recommend. So as far as trucks, here's what we do. That's of course my forte. I can help you with ABCD, you know, and here's how we're going to get those trucks. Here's the time frame that we're going to get them in. Now, when those trucks land, you're going to need a lot of things. First and foremost, you're going to need money. <laughs> you know, that's a, you're definitely going to need money. Um, you know, lots of that. Yeah, and, you know, that, and a lot of people, when they say they want 10 or 12 trucks, by the time they get to me, they say they want them yesterday, right? Well, do you want to do two in the first year, four in the next year, eight in the next year? Or, you know, how do you want to structure it? Oh, no, no, no. I want 10 or 12 in January if it's, if it's all, at all possible, you know. And, um, so if that's, you know, setting those expectations uh, for one on my end. And then I dive into the stuff, the, you know, the other segments in order to run that successful trucking business. What does your safety and compliance look like? Right. You know what, uh, where, how are you currently insured? Who are you insured from? Uh, do those in, who you're insured through do, uh, does that insurance agent put any parameters as far as how quick you can grow and how big you can get, you know, a lot of insurance companies, as I'm sure you guys know, they don't want to see you grow at rapid growth, right? That's a huge risk for them. Uh, finance, uh, you know, can we get you a simple approval through, uh, in-house financing, you know, plugging Packar Financial and BMO here, who are fantastic commercial equipment lenders. Um, you know, are, are you partnered with a bank yet? You know, are you based here in Las Vegas? So once we once we kind of start tackling those issues, we can kind of set up the structure and everything that you need to just get the truck itself and and actually own that equipment. Um, after that, you know, of course. You got trailers and then you get into what I what I've determined to be the really hard stuff where you can really earn make or break your business, which is um, a finding drivers. Uh, that's huge. I put a ton of time and effort into find the best practices and ways to find drivers, um, you know, what resources pay dividends and what doesn't. Uh, and then B is is um, is partnering with a shipper. Um, Luckily for me, I have a lot of experience in that being that I was a freight broker and I would make a hundred outbound dials a day to try to partner with shippers. So I do have connections in that area, but more than likely I'll just kind of recommend and teach them the path to be able to, to find, to find a shipper. But every, every, the, my, I guess what I'm getting at is every, every trucking company is going to be different. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny. I mean, when you think a trucking company, you think the same, same business model, same thing for everybody. But everybody wants their trucking company to look different. Um, everybody wants it to be, uh, everyone has different focal points um, and everyone has different goals. So, you know, once you figure out all that information, then at that point, my job becomes really easy, right? You know, I just, I refer them over to connections I've made into my industry and uh, I sell them some dang trucks, you know, so that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's it. it. That's pretty bad. Pretty. Yeah. And I, I, you hit the nail on the head and it's funny because we take a similar approach on, yes, right. Moving freight is simple. You know, you agree to move a load from point A to point B in the time frame you agreed safely and secure, right? That's the premise and concept of trucking. But 
there's so many different unique challenges that individual companies face or niche markets face or or whatever obstacles depending on location or ports or not mm -hmm. port all that kind of stuff that present different challenges so while on the insurance standpoint yes i'm insuring a truck and i'm insuring your company for you know millions of dollars and all this stuff every single company is unique and you have to take the time to uncover their motivations what's the goals what you know what drives this company in the first place why did you start a company ricky you and i had chatted about that before we went live is you know we'll get a lot of folks that drove as a company driver for a fleet or maybe even a leased operator owner op something like that and then they say you know what i'm going on my own I think I can do this. I now have the confidence. I've gained some contacts and connections. Maybe I'm not being treated great. Maybe they didn't, they don't give me any guidance or resources or or whatever the motivations sure. may be. That's that's for them to figure out. And then boom, they start a new company. Yeah. That's where guys like Ricky come in. It's like, hey, let me help you. That's where what well, we really try to focus on educating the client. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I bet you don't have to try too hard to sell trucks. Not right now. You know uh, when. When I, first, yeah. when I first started, it wasn't this way, but it's the same thing with freight. You know, that's, that's, what's really scary to me right now, right? Is what's, what's really scary right now are there's these outlandish expectations for people in the freight in the freight market. You know, you can go out and go and call on a, call on a load at, you know, and go get $4 a mile, you know, pulling a reefer or, you know, drive in even, you know, the th high threes and even more. And, uh, it's pretty easy to be profitable. You know, I mean, nothing's easy about this industry, you know, kind of backtracking, but, but it's, it's pretty, it's a lot easier to be profitable. You don't have to crunch as many numbers. You can be a lot more loose with your business um, and still have massive success. And, uh, it's not always going to, it's not that way, traditionally speaking, and it's not always going to be that way. You know, it's, it's important for these guys to understand why that is the case. And, and the same thing on my end with selling trucks. Like I tell all of my fleets the same thing every single time. I like ideally, you know, you take Origin for instance and their growth rate and all the success they've had, which has been, I mean, they're just such an amazing story and great people to work with. And um, but I, you know, I so I got I got a certain amount of slots allocated to me as a sales rep. Ten of those went to well, I shouldn't probably be sharing their personal business, but I'm sure John wouldn't mind. I, you know, they they have ten coming for their for their fleet. Um, it would have been much more financially advantageous for me as a sales rep, being that I'm commissioned, uh, to not sell those 10 trucks to a fleet and, and partial them out, you know, to owner operators where I can make much higher margin. But, but, uh, this market's not going to last forever. Um, and as supply chain shortages kind of get fixed and, you know, feds continue to, you know, taper bond buyback and, and everything that they're doing. And, and you see these, these changes made and the economies slow down a little bit. Um, those fleets are going to be the ones that you really want to be partnered with such as origin and some of the other ones I work with. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not always going to be that way, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and you've got to plan for the future a little bit. You know, the thing that resonates and like stands out actually for our mutual connections, and we've got a few there that we both yep. work with, they plan ahead. Their scheduling for their maintenance is on point. You know, they've, they are forward thinking on their safety and compliance. They think ahead for their growth. So they're not coming to you the month of December saying, okay, I need those Absolutely. three trucks. Um, no, they're looking a year, year and a half, two years. Like, here's what our projection is for growth. And you're right. Insurance companies, once you, until you hit a certain point, are not big fans of growth, especially coming out of the one to five units. And then if you went from five to 10, think of it from a standpoint of I'm, I'm throwing a million dollars per truck on you as a bet, but I'm only basing my knowledge on what you've done with five trucks. Absolutely. You're now doubling what you're doing. Do you have the ability and capacity to a manage that B hire drivers? Can you hire them correctly? Can you manage the expectations? Can you grow profitably and safely, most important, right? Keep the public safe. You move your loads because a down truck or out of service is no good for anyone. You're not making right. money. There's a bunch of things that come with it that like they're looking at me as an asshole. Like, no, you're, you're affecting my ability to earn money. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's not yeah. like that. It's like, let me, and if yeah. you want to do that, guess what? I've got places that allow us to do that all day. You're just not going to like the price tag of it. So let's think ahead and factor that cost. And if you choose mm -hmm. to take this route, let's plan for it, but you're going to pay exponentially more for the risk because this company's willing to take on that risk versus like a st stable growth. And like, I don't want to say preferred and not preferred because that's probably not the right sure. term, but a lot better option. Right. So, so there, there's just different things that, um, 
we try to pride ourselves on educating clients and if they do and hopefully give us the best opportunity to get them in the right place and grow responsibly and get where we need to, they stay in business. We stay in business. I don't make money like you, like off of a single transaction. Like my business is relationships, man. I want to be that asset resource like you do connect people like you with my clients because I trust you. And when I, I know that they're going to be taken care of, you know, and, and, and that's how that's how the game works, man. I, I, we're in the business of transacting insurance, but it's relationships, it right? Is. We just got to take care and, of. And them. no, you so. hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, there's there's uh, you know, and and it's your job, right? And that's why it's so great to work with with people like like you, and of course myself. And it, it's a uh, that the the reason it's it's important is because the, these fleets really do have to plan ahead, and and a lot of them don't understand that. I mean, they have so much on their plates already. You know what I mean? They got so much going on and so many things that they got to manage um, that they have to partner with good people, uh, you know, such as yourself, Cam and, and Thomas is where, well, you know, same business there. But the, my point being is, is to where you guys can make those recommendations to them and say, hey, look, you know, um, this is what I see. This is what's forecasted. Um, this is what I think is going to happen. And I know these are your goals. And here's what we need to be able to do. And we need to start this nine months before before those truck signs or we need to start this you know, before you take A, B, and C steps. And that's exactly what it is on my end too, especially with these truck shortages. You know, I mean, if you have people with particular goals, I'm, we're waiting, we're, we're literally waiting for 2023 to open up right now. I sold out all my build slots uh, that I was allocated in about, I don't know, 10 days, you know? And for, that's, for, wow. Wow. that's bananas. That's, that's, 20. well, hey, good for you. <laughs> yeah, it was great for me. I mean, I already know what I'm making next year. It's, it's fantastic, right? But the, uh, the 20, 2022 is gone, right? So, I mean, I, but they're like, okay, well, what do you, now you just sit on your hands and eat bonbons and, and hang out. And it's like, not at all. Now it's 2023. Not Ricky. It's it. We got, we got a game plan for 2023. We need to get out there, make more connections. We need to figure out what else we can do to help these companies. And, and you guys are exactly the same. And, and um, yeah, I mean, 2023 is going to be another big year. And as soon as, you know, as soon as business opens for 2023, you you bet your ass I'm going to be in, in every single fleet that I work with and we're going to get more orders on, you know, so it's it's planning ahead. I mean, one, right now, especially it's 100 percent planning ahead um, more than ever. So, um, yeah. yeah. There's a concept that I learned, you know, when I was in college about uh, mentalities towards education. We've mentioned it a couple of times today and not trying to go back to the college stuff, trying to apply it to the, the trucking industry here. But um, there's the fixed mentality and then there's the growth mentality as far as education goes. People who have more of the fixed mentality tend to think that once they get to a certain point, they think that they know enough to be able to just stay there. And use that base of knowledge to be able to grow themselves and be successful or whatever. And then there's the opposite side, which is the growth mentality, which is people, uh, I assume the three of us all fit in the same. I know Cam is, and you definitely seem like it, Richard. Um, that we always want to learn. We always want to keep growing our knowledge base so we can keep planning ahead in order to make the best decisions for ourselves and those around us. And I think that, you know, all this education that we want to do for our clients, whether it's in the insurance or the sales world on your end, is that we want to help educate people so they can be more empowered to be more successful without our help in the long run. You know, And that way we can keep just being mutually beneficial for all of us. And I really think that uh, all three of us can provide a lot of that value for everybody. Yeah, 100%. I, I, uh... I, and I forget who, who came up with the whole four pillar concept, but what, what one of the things I try to live my life by is, is like the, the, the four pillar structure, which is like, you know, I mean, it's some really basic stuff that a lot of people just don't abide, you know, adhere by, which is, um, you know, good food, you know, making sure that you're eating it properly. You, you have good nutrition, um, uh, exercise, you know, making sure that you keep your body in good physical health. And anyway, one of those pillars is continuous education. And it's like the biggest one, you know, I mean, by far and large, it's, it's, it's what a lot of people consider to be the most important. Um, and be, you know, continuing to learn about whatever you've decided to, to, you know, dedicate your life to. And if it's trucking, then yeah, you, there's plenty to learn about the, in the, in the world of logistics. It's, I call it the invisible industry because nobody even really ever thinks about it, but it's the backbone of the entire country. And we're seeing that now with what's going on because of COVID and, and all this stuff that happened. I mean, it, you know, if you, if you go way back to the end, like when industrialization first started, what was the very first thing we started laying out? 
right? I mean, it's it was it was Vanderbilt out there. But Infrastructure, yeah, for moving yeah, goods. We're, yeah, we're building absolutely. railroads, right? I mean, without the railroads, mm-hmm. we're screwed. You know, there's no there's no expansion, and um, and that's a uh, and that and that's really what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, the the industry isn't thought about a lot, but it's a massive one, and um, and there's so much to learn, and it's ever changing. I mean, constantly. I mean. I mean, I feel like if California had their way, I mean, we'd probably be, you know, trying to come up, we just make everything stop and figure out a way to like teleport this stuff. So there's zero emissions or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what they would do, but I mean, there's no owner operators, all kinds of stuff. Right. Stuff. I mean, like there's a, you know, the, the new carb compliance rules, I had to go back and after all the additional surcharges and price increases on, on equipment, then we go back and we have to ask for an additional $3,000 or so for for carb surcharges just because California felt like it and you know they want they want a, a prettier sticker yeah. on the side of the truck and you know so you got to educate yourself on that I mean educate yourself what's going on with these supply chains so you know what direction to take your business and what to expect and um, and then of course you know especially with people like you know you guys and, and myself um, if you do want to consult fleets you damn well need to know what you're talking about right you make the wrong recommendation uh, to a business I mean this is their livelihood this is all they got nine times out of 10, this is, they're putting, they're all in, I mean, running one truck, they're well over a quarter million dollars in, in equipment and, and, and so on and so forth. This is big boy money that these people are putting on the line. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's a, uh, education's huge, man. I mean, it really is regardless of how you get it. Yeah. That's what we got to hang our hat on. And um, that's all we can do, right? You can only help somebody that wants to be helped and try to educate as best you can. And hopefully it works out. Some circumstances are out of our control, but what we can control, we need to be really good and give the proper advice. You know, a lot of people, the beauty about your industry is, is you have a commodity, but like you get what you pay for, right? For standards of trucks and reliability and longevity oh, yeah. and comfort and all those different things. Insurance, people try to make a commodity and commoditize. So they're just looking for the cheapest. But I promise you, and I deal with this every day, when you have a claim or when you need help or like you actually need someone to educate you, you don't look and say, okay, did I spend the cheapest, but am I going to be covered, right? <laughs> right yeah. You don't ever give a shit when you have a claim that you bought the cheapest policy. You're just upset that you weren't covered or ill-advised or not properly guided right and then all of a sudden you're out of pocket 50 100 million dollars i mean you who knows you name it i mean these attorneys you you labeled kind of california california is a bad venue um texas isn't a great venue florida is not a great venue there's dirt there's (laughs) certain states you know what i mean there's certain states that like we we advise our clients like hey this is what we're up against in some of these states so when you're running here like make sure you're buttoned up, man. Just make sure your driver files are in order. Your hiring process is in order. You know, how do you hire drivers? How do you train them? How do you onboard them? How do you discipline them? Do you maintain their file? If it wasn't written, it never happened, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's all these things that people don't think about because you, like you mentioned, hey, I, I'm, I'm an owner and I'm wearing a bunch of hats. You know, it's not it's not that they didn't want to or they don't care. Or they're not all in. It's just that they they don't have either a the time or the resources or the know how. Well, and, so, and, and and to your point, I mean, a lot of people do do uh, they knock how important having good insurance is, and and it's so unfortunate because. Because you, I mean, one bad claim really is what puts you out of business. As well, it's another thing that could put you out of business. And uh, I mean, and and the odds are stacked against you. You know, that's that's the worst part. The odds really are stacked against you. I mean, lawyers start to froth at the mouth when they can find a commercial uh, vehicle lawsuit, right? I mean, because nine times out of ten they're going to win it. One and uh, and two, it's the big boy money, right? Like, why do they give, you know, why do they care about $30,000 claims when they can go hit a million dollar liability policy, you know, and, and, and probably win, even if it was, I mean, we had a, a, an interesting story for you guys, and it'd probably be good to share to your clients. So I went to the Utah Trucking Association this year, and they brought out the, the, the National Trucking Association. And, and, I would, the, the rep probably had a 45 minute speech. I slept through most of it. So, but, but the part that I was awake for is, um, no, I'm kidding. The, the significant majority of that 45 minutes, I'd argue probably 30 minutes of it. All he wanted to talk about was the, you know, basically, uh, insurance claims and, and lawyers setting trucking companies up. This really does happen it, it, like where they, well, they actually will set companies up to, 
to be in a stage of wreck and then take that company for everything they have. And I mean, if you don't have a good insurance company to back you, right? And more importantly, if you don't have a person that's going to come to come and back you and, and fight for you and try to do what's right, I, I mean, it's it's a death sentence, man, and it happens all the time. Um, and it's something that's only getting worse. I mean, there's lobbyists there, you know, there's lobbyists that are uh, completely uh, lawyers and, and, and people that are specifically trying to change policy in order to be able to only make it even easier to do these kind of things. So insurance is extremely underrated, <laughs> you know? I've been, it's, yeah. And I don't, and I don't want to tangent on insurance because people will go right to sleep if we do that. So <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll steer off that, but you're, you, you mentioned some, I mean, mafia and crime organizations are still in operation. They've turned to cyber, they've turned to staging, they've turned to, you know, figuring out, okay, we can get this. Here's our bucket of money that's available, a rolling ATM. We all know shit, Ricky, you drive around Vegas, man. Like I drive down the strip or the freeway because the taxi driver takes me the long way to wherever I'm going. And all I see is billboard, billboard, oh billboard, um, claim, you know, attorneys or mm -hmm. personal injury claims, or did you get hit by a big truck yeah. or semi? And like, it's, you know, that nonstop, that's all it's you see. It's borderline offensive. You're a hundred percent right. It, it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very predatory. It definitely is something I don't agree with, but uh, Hey, uh, Systems are what they are. You just got a psychology <laughs> but, yeah. degree. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> right. As far as uh, the, you know, the mafia and things like that go, I mean, we just, didn't we just have a claim in our agency with someone's um, entire cargo load being stolen? I mean, it's not just the, yeah. just the way that they can pin people in accidents and things like that. They're also able to take advantage of the shortage of items to be able to go steal, you know, to get motivation to go steal these things. And then sell them on the you know aftermarket so they can make free money. So insurance again in this case does help protect against those kinds of things. A lot of people don't even think about these things when they're starting these companies. They're only thinking about how to move the product, how right. to maximize the money, and that's perfect. We want that's those goals, but these are considerations that need to be made. And people like the three of us are able going to be able to to help be able to bring these things up. Well, and I, and I want to, I think, I think what you just said ties back perfectly into, um, I, I believe a, a, a point Cameron brought up is, you know, there's, um, they have to be able to partner with people. Like I, like you said, I sell a commodity. Kenworth is known for the, you know, our, our, the quality and being a higher end product. Typically you're going to pay a little bit extra for it too, but the, the, the truck sells itself. I'm, I very rarely need to sit down and tell people about the PSI strength of our steel frames and, and, and all these, you know, all these different things that make our cabs airtight for, you know, a million miles and, and, you know, tell them all these features and benefits of Kenworth. In fact, when I first started, that's all I was doing. I was like, okay, what's the, what's the value proposition of this product? I, you know, I need to make sure I understand this commodity forwards and backwards. And you know how many questions I get typically when selling a Kenworth on, you know, what the quality is like? It's like zero, like, like no one ever gives two shits. They know what they're getting, right? They know Ken, Kenworth's been around forever. It's the world's best truck. There's, there's, I would never sell anything else um, as far as this commodity goes because it really is the best, but the uh, plug, but there's uh, the <laughs> thing that they're really buying oh, wow. is, <laughs> the, the thing that they're really buying is a relationship. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. What I tell fleets is, Look, I want you to focus on how to best recruit. I want you to pick two or three things that you feel like you're an expert at, you're that you're the expert in your field. It can be how to operate the truck. It can be how to work on it, how to get freight contacts. What are you great at? Are you a people person? I want you to focus on that. And for now, at least until you get a lot bigger, I want you to, I want you to outsource and partner with people you can trust for the rest. You need to be able to partner with people like, like, like you guys to, to be experts in your field, right? They're not insurance experts. Okay. They, and they don't, and they shouldn't be, they shouldn't spend, there's only so many hours in the day. They shouldn't be spending a significant amount of their time, you know, doing those things. They need to be able to trust their people to make the right recommendations for them. As far as insurance goes, same thing goes for the equipment. If you're not an equipment expert, then yeah, you want to partner with a sales rep that can be uh, an expert in his field. That's going to accomplish the goals you have, whether it's fuel efficiency, just looking badass so you can get the best drivers and the coolest drives or whatever, whatever it is you want to do with your business. So, 
Um, it's, it's all partnerships. People buy people, not products. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. They don't buy your service, guys. They don't. You know, they, no, they, 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 they can buy from anyone, right? Ricky, there's so many people that sell everything across the country that they can order, outsource, work with. Uh, do you, this is what you should do. I would buy a, a Kenworth just to buy a Kenworth if you put an air freshener, big daddy fat sack air freshener hanging off. Dude, yeah. I would buy your it. Just a, big, just a big air freshener, man. Just hanging oh, man. there. I, I, yeah, like I, sh- I should do something. I, I really got to, I really got to get my, uh, my, my tag out there, man. I got to step it up. I love it. No, they're, uh, that's, uh, that's funny. I mean, you should see some of these trucks though, that these guys put together. They can get creative. Some of these drivers can get creative, man. I mean, oh, like, I uh, they're tricked out too, man. A lot of people take pride on that stuff and they'll, they'll, we got a lot of show truck clients yeah. and you wouldn't know that those trucks are eighties, you know, or nineties or whatever, mm-hmm. man. They're crisp, they like mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. clean. Yeah. My dad's one of them. Every now and then. This man's Peterbilt. It's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, and a lot of these Kenworths that I yeah. build, I, I, right now I got, I don't know, probably six, uh, Ken, Kenworths in the, the body shop in Salt Lake city at the Kenworth sales company at, up there. And, uh, you know, they're getting 20, 30, $50,000 worth of work done to them. Flush mounted deck plates, custom badging, uh, uh, air ride suspension, paint. I mean, you name it, exhaust stack, like the list goes on and on and on. And these trucks just come out badass. and, and they, and these drivers take pride in it, you know? And, uh, and I mean, one of them that we did, <clears throat> it was, it was super freaking funny. Um, there were the there you know what window chops are that go along the the driver and passenger window so it hides a portion of the window right and he had me put show me your boobies uh across the top of the window so when he rolls his window down you know that comes out you see show me your boobs you know and uh just just shit like that dude so it's i mean these guys and they run nice rigs man i mean those are some of my favorite trucks to put together i obviously i'm in this business to consult fleets and i like i like doing big boy deals. You know, that's, that, that's what really gets me going. Um, I love, I love talking seven figures or more, but on the flip side of that, if you go to my Instagram or you go to, uh, KW kingdom, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, put the plug out for yeah. that. Cause where do people connect, follow and, and all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So. LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, and, and, uh, Instagram, Instagram's KW underscore kingdom. But you know, what I was getting at is if you go to my Instagram, um, you're all, all that's posted are just the badass rigs, right? That's some of the best marketing is like, Hey, look what I built, you know? And, um, yeah. yeah, so not, not definitely not hating on a fleet spec because that has its time and place and, and it's necessary. But, um, uh, yeah, some of those trucks are pretty cool guys. Some of, some of them. No, that's awesome. I love that, man. That stuff's exciting. And, and they take so much pride in that. You know, a lot of my clients, it's like, they'll tell me about this cherry truck they just did or project. And, and they'll send me like 10 pictures, oh, yeah. right, of every angle and lights and lit up and rolling and all this kind of stuff, man. It's badass. I love that stuff. That's so cool. I agree, man. That's sweet. Ricky, uh, how are you getting any sleep? For those that don't know, Ricky has like a two-month-old at home, um, (laughs) new new dad. So congratulations, by the way, on that. And I've got two little daughters, so I'm out of that phase, but I know what you're going through. So how are you uh, functioning at your high level, man? Oh, you just don't, you know. (laughs) Energy drinks. I I got coffee sponsors. I'm kidding. Yeah, you you see me drinking the Monster. No, I... I have the world, I mean, no, no lie. I, I have to have one of the world's best wives, you know, so make sure you don't cut that part out because I'm going to show her this podcast, but uh, we won't cut it <laughs> live and uncut, man. This is unplugged. <laughs> Rachel, no, um, she's, uh, she really is. She's amazing. I mean, I, I tease her. I tell her she was, she basically was educated to be the world's best mom, you know, I mean, because, um, and she is, man, I, she takes so much off my shoulders um, she, she helps out with everything at home. Um, you know, she, she takes care of two dogs. She takes care of a two month old baby. Uh, you know, I, I try to be as much help as I can, but let's be honest. I, she takes she care ta- of you. Yeah. I mean, she takes care of a two month old baby and a 26 year old baby. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so no, I, I mean, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, the way I do it is my wife makes sure I get, we're very structured. We're very routine. We're boring people. We know exactly what we're going to eat every day, when we're going to eat it. We know exactly what we're, we're, we schedule out our personal time. I mean, who the hell does that, right? You know, so we know exactly what we're doing on the weekends, hour by hour, um, what we're reading, um, 
banking situations, all that stuff, and you know what she's doing. Um, I mean, and and so she she makes sure. And one of the big things, like I was mentioning before, you know, your pillars of success. One of those pillars is sleep, you know, and you have to get a, a certain amount of sleep, whatever's necessary for your body. I'm blessed in the fact it's it's probably six or seven hours, which is a lot less than a lot of people. But you know, my my productivity levels and. Uh, well, you know, I'm still running a million miles an hour just because that's who I am, but I'm, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot more foggy and I'm not as pro pro productive with the time that I utilize um, if I don't get to that six hour hash mark. So, and she knows that and, and yep. she, and she makes sure that I get, get those six hours. The good news is, is I could sleep through a tornado. So, I mean, uh, uh, the baby doesn't wake me up, which is also kind of a concern <laughs> probably, you know, like, a, little a little bit, little but, bit. uh, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it helps, but it, she's, uh, yeah. I mean, to answer your question, it's basically, it's basically my wife. Shout out to the queen. Mm -hmm. Can't have a king. That's a right, man. That's yeah. True. Partners. Once again, people, <laughs> people make the world. Yeah, no, I, I think that's cool. I think, you know, you utilize uh, block scheduling. It's funny because Thomas probably felt like we were going into one of my sales calls where I <laughs> talk about block scheduling and stuff like that and mapping it out and goal planning uh, naturally going into 2022, looking at 2023 and you got to be thinking ahead and how to get there and strategize and read and all that kind of stuff. So you sound similar to me. Uh, my wife and I just did 75 hard um, challenge. I don't know if you know about that, but anyways, it's like two workouts a day. So two a day is drink a gallon of water. Mm -hmm. One workout has to be outside. Um, you have to read 10 pages of a book every single day. And it's like a, like kind of self-help nonfiction type deal. Drink a gallon of water, pick a diet, no alcohol, no cheat meals, sugar, nothing like that. And then track your progress. So take pictures. So we, we had literally just got done with that right before. I've heard of that program too. Well, who, whose program is that? Andy Frisella. Andy Priscilla. Yeah. And he has like a podcast and a book. I knew nothing about it. I had a buddy cause like you, I'm, I'm connected with other business, business owners, CEOs, or just kind of high level people, um, try to surround myself with good people. And someone had posted, I don't know if it was LinkedIn or, or Facebook or whatever. Anyways, someone posted a picture of this book, knew nothing about it. I hopped in naturally. I take action, ordered it, knew nothing about it, got the book, read it and realized what it was. It was like, oh, that's cool. Gave it to the wife. She read it in like a matter of hours. And then Monday, it's like, we're starting Monday. Let's go. Oh, that was like on a weekend. We so and then next thing you know, Thomas sees me out working out twice a day and kind of getting back to like an athlete shape because I grew up playing sports and stuff. And then with two kids, a business and like this industry, it's like super easy to become complacent and lazy. So and I'm not a lazy person like you. I just run and do a million miles an hour and plan and map out everything. Would it have so, it any other way? I definitely too, wouldn't man. call it laziness. What's that? No. Uh, I definitely wouldn't call it laziness. It's just a difference of priorities at the time. You know, like we all have the same 24 hours in the day. Yep. And yep. people like you guys, you are not lazy. You guys are definitely always on the go. It's just a matter of what's a priority at the time. So it's important for us to always remember our why. We've mentioned that Absolutely. earlier today. You know, why we're doing what we're doing. We're not doing this just to make money. We want to use that money to benefit ourselves, our family, have been and those around us. I would have been a lawyer if I was doing that, man. Right? Just putting uh, some fake claims out there, get some truckers, get some money. Hey, Absolutely. if you just wanted money, I mean, <laughs> no. Yeah. If that's the motivation, like that that's why, you know, that's why when we get people like you, Ricky, is it's, it's so easy to have a conversation because you're passionate, you care, you genuinely care about the trucking community and industry and your clients, you know, and Hey, that's why you get our referrals, man. I got to trust who I'm sending people Absolutely. to, right? So you got to partner with. No, I appreciate that. Hey, what's on the roadmap for Kenworth? Anything big coming down the line? What's up with chips? What's up with all this stuff that's happening in the oh world? Oh my goodness, man! Where do you want? Where do you want to start? Yeah. <laughs> well, we got about a, we got a condensed <laughs> version, so let's wrap it in twelve. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a whole other episode about <laughs> that. Yeah, like let me let me get my powerpoints out real quick. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, as far as as far as, you know, a lot of innovation, as far as innovation goes and, and, and you know, just some of the exciting stuff they got coming out, it's it's um, it's a uh, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon on that. end. so, I mean, the electric vehicles, uh, Kenworth the Truck Company and PACCAR is pouring a ton of R&D into into developing electric and making it more cost efficient. Right now, I'm not going to lie where electric's at is more to me. And hopefully, you know, no one from Kenworth Truck Company sees this. But um, for me, it's probably more of a marketing uh, type type purchase. You know, hey, look, you know, we're running we're running electric vehicles. Um, 
It really cool. You know, funny enough, the very first client for for Kenworth Truck Company who who bought an electric vehicle was a, a power company. It was a it was a oh, utility power really? company, right? Right. You know, awesome. but but imagine how that looks. They're go, they're over there going through lawsuits for including the environment, and they're like, but dude, we're buying like quarter million dollar freaking box trucks, you know, yeah. and building the infrastructure. But but that's really what it is. It, it, it think of. Um, Think of when Tesla first started. You, I mean, they, you, first you got to build out them. You got to build out the infrastructure. Um, you come out with a high, a high cost, high end model. Get people to buy that. Start funding up the company. Then you can slowly start to uh, get into you know the the kind of product that is for more mainstream buyers, like your Model Three, um, and uh, and then away you go. So, but the development and and how far these electric vehicles are coming is just absolutely outlandish. I mean, it's. I would I would probably argue within the next I don't know five years uh, you'll see a ton of these on on the on the road and and you'll see a lots of uh, investment into the infrastructure nationwide to be able to support these vehicles. Um, the other side of it is you know there's a lot of rumors on self driving. I wanna I wanna tell all drivers watching this podcast right now that you have nothing to worry about yet. <laughs> it's not it's 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 borderline a little embarrassing. Um, but they are dumping a ton of money into that and, and trying to figure out exactly what they can do to, to work with drivers more than anything to help make the vehicle more safe. I mean, it's, it's, it's to, to, to make, to take some of those responsibilities out of their hands so they can focus on, on other things, be it booking freight or, or, you know, other ways to be more safe, but the drivers are going to be necessary. Um, lots of camera development going on right now. Um, you know, i when I came into the industry, I got a kicker because, you know, this year we rolled out LED headlights. Okay. We got LED headlights, bitching, and we got self, we got self canceling turn signals. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting here going, and I'm like, guys, guys, I'm not, I'm not going into my clients and going, Hey guys, look, you got to buy Kenworth because I got LED headlights now. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, but what they what they have done is they've rolled out, you know, and, and what what I've what I've told them is, I mean, look at pickups and stuff. Take a take a a, a fully, you know, take, go go buy a fully loaded twenty five hundred Silverado. I mean, when you kick that baby into reverse, what happens on that screen in front of you? You, you see everything. You get an eagle eye version of your truck, and and you know, and, and of course a reverse backup camera. The truck starts like shooting confetti out and like. <laughs> A bald eagle bald comes eagle out. Comes out. With, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just big. Murk. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I'm and I'm like, and that truck's like a hundred thousand dollars, right? But it's a, but it still it has those capabilities. I'm like, why is that not in the commercial world yet? You know, I mean, like, uh, of all people who could actually utilize that function, it's not a freaking pickup truck, you know, or an SUV. It's it's 100% a semi truck driver who's trying to back into a freaking dock at 80 foot long, and and they're in California, so they're inches away from hitting this car, this dumpster, this old lady who won't get the hell out of the way, and uh, you know, and they're and they're and they're finessing her in there, so. You're, you're seeing a ton of camera development, which I'm super excited about. Uh, and, and then a lot of development on, on uh, Packard engines. Uh, if you ask John, I, you know, and I, and I get some hate for this, but I, I'm a huge believer in the MX-13 engine platform. Uh, I think it's fantastic, especially for over-the-road truck drivers, more fuel efficient. Um, extremely reliable at this point. In fact, it's the most reliable by B life rating, which basically tells you how many how many breakdowns, uh, uh, critical breakdowns you see um, on engines on average over a million miles. It has the best B life rating of B10, meaning that 10% of these engines have uh, critical failures within the first million miles, which is insane. Um, you know, and um, they're they're they've been developing this engine left and right, and it's uh, it's come a long way. After treatment systems are obviously a big deal. Thanks, California, and uh, you know all these all these different luxuries. So, I mean, you're seeing a lot of development on that end. Uh, obviously, the problem that we're having, like you happen to mention, is chip shortages and surcharges, and and it's kind of like a it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. I mean, really, for trucking companies, right? Because because on one hand, there you're you're kind of causing your own shortages. You know, um, the rates going up. You got to. I mean, a lot of a lot of people have truckers need to understand how that affects businesses, right? So when you come in and your truck price increased by ten percent, well, you got to ask yourself who took those parts to the plant for the truck to be assembled, right? Like. 
How did those parts get manufactured? How did they get to us? Well, when you're doing that at, you have $3,000, you know, cost increases just for freight alone, let alone manufacturing, those parts are going to go up in cost. Kenworth's not in the business of losing money, right? You know, we got, we got to make, we got to make some money too. So, you know, those, those costs are going to increase on, on the equipment side and, and other sides. Um, I'm seeing some, some break loose, but then, you know, some, some of these part shortages break loose and some of it I'm not, um, yeah, we've had a ton of trucks release in December. Uh, we're starting to catch up, but it's, um, it's a slippery slope. I mean, all it takes is another COVID variant to come out and, and everybody starts sealing off their borders again. And next thing you know, you're screwed. Uh, so you just really don't know what's going to happen. And, and the thing with supply chain is, is there's the back, one of the, one of the, one of the key portions of the supply chain is the storage side of it. You know, these, these, it's not like these parts or these products just come overseas and immediately go to a household to get used. You know, it's, um, they're, they're going to go sit somewhere. Well, all those warehouses and stuff where those parts sit are completely empty, right? So they have to get filled back up, right? You know, right now that is what's happening. All the parts are already accounted for. So they're going straight, basically, you know, theoretically, let's say straight to the factory, getting used up, trucks built, so on and so forth. Um, so not only do we need to, uh, which in turn is creating part shortages for people who just need to replace parts, like people who walk into the dealer and want something as simple as a concentration sensor for their dang death tank and they can't get it. So their truck's down six weeks, you know, um, well, you know, we have to, we have to fill all that backlog too. So I'm kind of rattling on here. As you can tell, it's, it's, it's something. No, but I think it's an important topic. I talked to a client of mine this morning, they broke down. Um, part that should be readily available, they can't get it. It's legit nowhere. They've mm-hmm. exhausted resources to every avenue that they can find, and they're looking at a month to possibly two months <laughs> on a down truck for a single part. I mean, it's it's banana. Now it's like a, I, th- I think it's a, a pretty major part, obviously, and component to bring a truck down. But yeah, it's it's crazy. I think it's important. I, mean, I got another guy that's going through the same situation. He's single um, owner up, going well. Year had a mechanical breakdown issue. Could get the part, had to close his DOT authority down, had to go lease on and use someone else's vehicle. His truck is still in the shop waiting those parts. And the main, uh, the mechanic is just saying the same thing. Like, we, we can't do anything. All the parts are gone. And it's yeah. definitely impacted a lot of people out there. So planning ahead definitely is, is one of these oh, things huge. that we need to, to help people it's do. It's huge. And, like, and... And I mean, exactly. And then they can't order the parts, right? Like you can't, that's the biggest, that is the biggest problem right now is, is even it, let's say they do want to plan ahead. Let's say you're smart enough to go out and stock those parts. The likelihood of you being able to even get one of those parts, like the really critical parts that are on super back order, um, the likelihood of you even be able to, to pre-order one of those parts is pretty much zero. I mean, the only way you can get those parts is if you actually have a truck down. What happens then is the service department is able to create what we call a truck down order. And uh, that allows, and then at that point, we'll get you know that part shipped from the local PDC when the part finally arrives to the to the to the distribution center. So it's a bit of a nightmare. So on one hand, what I meant by the double-edged sword is not only are they not only is it somewhat causing your own your own dilemmas, but the the other side of it is also um, you. While you don't, while you want, you want the supply chain to speed up so you can start getting your trucks, getting your equipment, having all this stuff. You don't want it to speed up so much that you end back up at the dollar and 30 cents a mile type freight on the load board. Um, That's a death sentence for a lot of owner operators who don't have direct contacts with shippers. Once again, come see your boy. I'll help you out. Um, But but, uh, there's a, you know, that's, that's horrible for them. So in order to, I don't think we're ever going to get back to like where we were in 2008, knock on wood, but as far 18 rather where, you know, with, with, uh, with rates, but you know, rates will go down when we catch back up. The best thing that I can tell anybody who's viewing this podcast is, is you have nothing to worry about for at least the next year, year and a half of, of, uh, of rates correcting. Um, at least in my humble opinion, just because once again, you have to fill up all of those distribution centers, you have to fill up all the warehousing, re get, get everything restocked. 
Um, you know, all these trucks have to release that are sitting on fairgrounds in the middle of Chillicothe, Ohio, or wherever they're located because they're missing a, a dang, you know, uh, you know uh, engine control module. Um, and, uh, and then once all that happens, you have to replenish the dealerships. You know, you have to get, you have to get trucks on the ground again. There is zero new stock trucks industry wide. I have a, um, do you guys know kind of what the price points are for equipment at all? Yeah, yeah I've got a good idea based on what we insure. Oh yeah. So well, yeah. Touche. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but not, not, not to the in-depth level level that you probably get like with the pricing sheets to to yeah. sell so it's i don't have that and you, and you don't need it they, i mean the i guess the what i'm trying to say is a, a new truck after fet and everything you might be out let's just ballpark numbers let's call it 165 grand right 165 grand that that gets you that gets your wheels rolling on a new side on a used side, when I first started on used side, which the used market was terrible, but I mean, uh, on a used side, say take like a 2000, I don't know, 2016 with 450,000 miles on it, pretty standard spec T680, you know, uh, down over the road truck, you know, type spec sleeper. Uh, you know, that truck probably is 50, 50, $60,000. So just yesterday we, we had, uh, we have found some um, 2019 Freightliners or 2020, 2019 Freightliners that we bought. Uh, so, I mean, they're a Freightliner too. I mean, God, you know, but it's a, you know, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, That's same, same idea, which is, you know, over the road, full sleeper, uh, automatic. And we put, and they had 300 ish thousand miles on it. And we had to list those things at like 140 grand. You know, that's, that's, Dude, that's, bananas. that's bananas. That's crazy. That's, crazy. that's crazy. So you bring up a good point there and like, we're going to have to wrap this up because I want to be respectful of your time. But um, like folks don't understand that, that the used market and the actual cash value of your trucks, if you haven't talked to your insurance agent or you haven't reviewed like what you've got, those prices have Absolutely. all changed. I mean, they really have. They, they've done nothing. The used market, especially if you got the 2000 trucks and older for the ELD mandate, but you're going into California, so you got the different set of stipulations. Those trucks are in high demand, especially with the shortage of new stuff. And I, I mean, I got guys, like you just said, selling their used stuff for shit more than they paid for them. 100%. That's crazy. I, I, so that's, stuff, that's something to think. And you know what's funny? Normally we ask is like, hey, if you were to have this message and this billboard, of some wisdom some ricky um big daddy fat sack wisdom that you want to share with the listeners like what's the one piece of advice that you would give first get a bitch and cb tag okay yes. <laughs> you, know what, you know what i'm saying um and yep. and second just soak up as much information as you possibly can i whatever 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 you can do to to build your network um and and uh and to and to learn the basic foundation of every as aspect of this industry do it and but don't try to do it all yourself like realize realize that there's people out there who are specialists and experts in their field when when i have people asking very specific insurance questions that i think i can answer but i'm not quite comfortable you know i'm going to send them to cam and and thomas you know if uh, if I have finance questions that are being asked I'm, I same thing I got to defer to my experts and and as a business owner, you got to do the same. Your time is going to become is going to far exceed the value of money at at one point in your life. When you become when you reach a certain level of success, your time is going to be worth everything. You can't make more of it, right? So be willing and understand the value of of trusting in people that you've built relationships with, and then build those relationships. and And the world's yours. You can do whatever you want, and don't settle for ten or twelve trucks. I mean, go be the next Swift. <laughs> Call my boy Ricky. That's right. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's, Let's go. go. Okay, man, dude, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. There was so much amazing value and content in there. And no doubt everybody needs to get a hold of Ricky and chat with him because he's a valuable asset and resource, like he had mentioned, for not just trucks, but um, has a ton of experience, a ton of connections and resources. So let's utilize those. So um, I know you had mentioned your tag, um, KW underscore kingdom. Uh, KW underscore kingdom. Yep. That's my Instagram. Okay. And then if folks want to get a hold of you for, let's say, sales process and not just to follow you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, first email, we'll set a meeting. Uh, rglobitz, R G L A U B I T Z at kwsco.com. 
we'll get we'll get a meeting set, and um, I can cover or answer any kind of questions that you may may have. Right on, man. Thank you so much, um, Thomas. Thank you for hopping in, man. I appreciate you. So as always, that concludes this episode. You can hook up, link with us on LinkedIn, Facebook. We do have a Facebook group. Get a load of this uh, trucking podcast. So go hit us up with a request. We'll let you in there. And um, as always, we're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple, you name it. You can find us. So Ricky, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Go be great, guys. Yeah, you too.